Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I think it's going to be a good one. I have someone that I know a little bit. I don't know that well, but um, from the conversations we have had and then obviously all the things that she's up to and she's doing, I definitely wanted to get her on the show. Um, Zana Barth, did I say that right? <laughs> yes, you did. Zana, like Anna with a Z in front. Okay, so I like it. There we go. So you you and I met because you were were you a manager or were you just bartending? I I think I was managing at the time when we met, but you know I was doing both simultaneously, kind of the whole time I was there. And thanks uh-huh. so much for having me on the podcast, by the way, and thinking of me. That really means a lot. Oh, of course, of course. But yeah, I, I actually. Go ahead. Continue. No, you can go. No, I was just going to say I was managing, I think, and you were, you were, you only worked a few shifts, really. You weren't one of the heavy hitters, right? No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, Well, no, I worked, I worked, I worked every weekend, but I was mainly like, I was never, I was never downstairs with you. I was mainly upstairs. Right. Yeah. I mean, like a few shifts a week. Yeah. Those weekend Mm -hmm. spots. But yeah, that's a good thing. You made the money and then you got out. (laughs) Yeah, that no, it literally well because key. Well, I knew Keegan because she one of my best friends is her ex. And then when I moved back, she was just like, we could we could use some more bar back. So like, would you want to do it? And I like the entire time I was like, all right, I'm planning to move out of Buffalo again. So I'm like, I'll take whatever. So like, that's kind of like how it happened. But I actually reached out to after I reached out to Hannah and I was like, Hey, like, do you think if I asked Zayna to be on, she would think it's weird. Cause like, we really didn't talk that much. And she was like, no, she'd love it. I'm like, all right, cool. So that's, why I, that's why I reached out. I was a little hesitant at first. Cause I was like, ah, we didn't really talk that much just to be like, just slide in your DMS and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing a podcast. You want to be on an episode? Like, I didn't know if that'd come across as like being weird or not, but now we're here. So John, this honestly is, fulfilling a dream of mine. This is like the third podcast I've been on, you know, just from local people. And I wake up in the morning at 6am and start listening to podcasts. So (laughs) this is actually my dream. And I really appreciate the opportunity. Of course. Have you started about doing your own podcast? Like maybe like a real estate one? Um, you know, my boyfriend's actually doing that with his team, his real estate team. And I think it's super cool. Um, the thought is like in my mind somewhere, but it's definitely not at the forefront. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'll let you guys run with that <laughs> for a while. Who, uh, who's your boyfriend? His name's Nick Giambra. No way. That's hilarious. Yeah. Because do you know, do you know Jeff Paz, Jeff Pazersky? No, I don't. Um, he uh he's a friend of mine and i hit him up about the podcast and he actually said like weeks ago he goes yo he's like my guy he's like my buddy nick uh is in real estate he does podcasts he's got the whole setup he's like we'll just go to his studio to record and i'm like uh okay and then i i mean i haven't talked with jeff in um, a couple weeks because he's always around town but it's that's it's funny because he says like, yeah, he's got his own real estate podcast, and then I didn't, I didn't know you were dating him. So yeah. it's just like kind of the small world how it comes full circle. Yeah, it really is. You should definitely go over there and check it out. They, um, they have a whole, yeah, they have a whole podcast room set up. It's pretty sick. Yeah, that's what he was saying. He's like, we'll get the tripod going, whole bang. I'm like, Jeff, buddy, like, I'm just doing audio. Like, I'm not, <laughs> like, it's not that crazy. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I'll talk to Nick. We'll hook it up. I'm like, 
all right, but again, I'm not asking for the hookup, but sure, we'll do that. So, um, but yeah, so kind of getting right into it, um, you know, you, you were working at Soho, you were, you know, managing sometimes, sometimes you weren't, but is there anything from that Soho experience that, you know, kind of you were able to learn that helped you with like your real estate business? I don't know if the two necessarily correlate, but was there anything? Yeah. You know what? Honestly, managing Soho and bartending was probably one of the best learning experiences I've ever had because first of all, on the positive side, it really, and that was like my third bartending gig. So I was kind of used to that aspect, but it really taught me how to read a room like how to work a room, how to manage people, how to manage customers, as well as like the girls, the servers and the bartenders. And most importantly, I think it taught me what kind of lifestyle that I don't, (laughs) that I don't want to have, like, and how I don't want to live because the restaurant life, the restaurant industry is so fucking draining. Oh, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, you could. I swear okay. all the time. So yeah, do your thing. Okay, the restaurant industry is fucking draining, and it's so easy to get caught up in it, as I'm sure you've seen. You know, like working those weekend shifts was so fun, but it's just in terms of the big picture. You know, so many parts of my life got so much better once I stepped out of there. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree with you because when I was in Boston, I was working at the Grand, which I think it was 2019, maybe it got ranked like the best dance night club in like all of America, but it's being run by a powerhouse company in Boston. And then a lot of the managers and stuff like that are for like guys that used to work in Vegas, Miami. So it kind of has that like Vegas, Miami feel to the mm-hmm. club and I wasn't even doing anything crazy. I was just essentially like, it was considered security, but it's not like I was a bouncer. I was more so like a host. Um, And to your point though, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it's it's a live music uh, club. So they would have anywhere from like Tiesto, Steve Aoki, Hardwell, Drake, Travis Scott, Wiz Khalifa, Snoop Dogg, Shaq. Like they had like really high profile people that were performing. And then with that, you get a lot of the Patriots coming in, like Gronk, Camille Kostak, like all these people. So like, and you're allowed to like meet that. You can't really talk to them, but like you get to meet all those people mm-hmm. too. So like to your point about getting caught up in it, I I kind of like got caught up in it because every, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday from like eight to like three in the morning, you're working. And then after a while, it's like, dude, I'm not, I don't even have a life. Like I can't even enjoy my, like my weekends. I can't enjoy hanging out with my friends. So like, for me, that's what, like after working at Soho, I was just like, dude, I'm never fucking doing this shit again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I agree. There were a few points where, I mean, on the, in the weekends alone, I would work like 40 hours. And I think there were a few holidays like Christmas and Easter where I showed up to my family's or didn't show up to my family's for the holidays. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is it. I can't keep doing this. There's so many more important things in life than this bar. And, you know, that's not to say like, I don't have respect for Jay and, you know, people who do it because I learned a lot and it takes a certain type of person to do it, but it's that person's just not me. And I'm very, very happy that I found that out. 
you know. Absolutely. Now, were you, you were, were you, I'm trying to think of how do I want to ask this. So you were bartending, obviously you're still doing real estate. Were you bartending because you, um, it was a way to meet new clients, meet new people, kind of like work on your people skills? Or were you still at that point where you're like, I don't have the nest egg of cash flow coming in that I want to. So until I get to that point, I got to still bartend. Yeah. Or like what, what was that? Yeah. So um, in college, I went to Fredonia and I was a math major and I interned for that for a summer after being a data analyst and I didn't like it. So I just continued bartending and um, I got caught up in it. You know, I did it for a few years. I was at Coulter Bay and Soho and then um, actually through, I like dabbled with the idea of being in the restaurant industry for life just because I was so caught up in it. And you know how Jay is, he's charismatic. He was trying to, you know, he was encouraging that. And um, then it was at Soho where I actually met someone and I was running in the same circle as um, a developer in Buffalo. And that's where the whole real estate thing started. Um, and he will remain nameless, but he was in the market for a new leasing agent, him and one of the guys who worked under him. So they convinced me to get my real estate license. And um, I was super excited about it. This is actually a funny story. So I was super excited about it. I was like, all right, you know, this is great. Um, I went and got my real estate license and the um, I went through like the whole interview process. It was basically one of those things where it was like a shoe in like it's the interview was just a formality. We already know you. Um, the guy who was interviewing me was like a personal friend of mine. And um, so then I got my license and I was like ready to go. And this is actually one of the hardest lessons I've ever learned in my life. And I was. I texted him, I called him for a week and he ghosted me at this, the guy at this development company. And finally, after like a week or so, he calls me and he's like, this is one of like the hardest things I've had to do, but um, we gave the job to somebody else. And <laughs> I was like, what? I, first of all, I've never really been rejected to that capacity. I've never really been a big risk taker prior to this. I always kind of played it safe. Uh -huh. So I've never really been rejected like that. And I, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, I have to move on with this. And I later found out that he hired a girl that he was dating at the time. So, and everyone will remain nameless, but I'm sure she was very well qualified for the job. And I do like her very much. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> But, you know, whether that had something to do with it or not, you know, whatever, I had to like pick myself up and move on. And thank God I did because it was one of the biggest blessings ever. Because had I taken that job and been a leasing agent as opposed to diving into, you know, actually being a real estate agent selling houses, um, I would be so far behind where I am now, you know, like and it it was the idea of it seemed great because it was a steady paycheck and it wasn't a hundred percent commission, but taking the leap and having my license and just being fucked by this, you know, friend of mine, I was like, 
okay, you know, now I have to take the dive and do 100% commission, a job that's 100% commission, which was scary as fuck to me. And I did it and it paid off. And I'm ever since then, I just like haven't really been afraid to make myself uncomfortable. Yeah, I love that. And to to your point, I still like wake up every day and I'm like, fuck, I work 100% commission. I got to like, I can't I can't fuck around. I got to like get get the job done. But um, spinning off that, like I have two questions and like uh, the, they can go either way. So like the first is, you know, with the real estate, I know I've had people, uh, you know, got like they got the first guy that mentored me in Boston, he owned a little boutique luxury firm. They just, I mean, they sold it to compass. And now again, the guy's going to rename nameless, but he has a big team at compass in Boston. And, you know, I, he didn't get back to me right away, but I kept following up with him, which no one ever taught me this, but I was the way I looked at it was like, okay, well, if he doesn't, if, he doesn't reach back out to me or he doesn't respond to my emails. I'm still in the same position that I am today with no job and no opportunity. So the worst thing that will happen is like, I never met this guy. He'll just either block me or tell me to go fuck myself. But he told me when I met with him that he purposely was not responding to my emails and not responding to my calls because he wanted to see how much I would stay following up with him because he was telling me that to be successful, in the business, which I know, you know, you have to consistently follow up and you have to learn that fine line of, okay, I'm being really fucking annoying or no, no I don't want to say it that way. You have to learn the fine line of like when you need to be persistent and when you need to like, you need to be like relaxed mm -hmm. and just wait. And I didn't even realize I was doing that, but he said that he solely hired me and was like, yeah, I'll take you on just from how persistent I was being with the email. So um what is your thought on that before i get into the next question well yeah i mean first of all it's great that you just have that naturally in you and you didn't have to consciously like take energy and be like okay now i have to follow up that's just a reflex that you have so that's super cool i mean i'm jealous of that because i'm not naturally that way but that's so yeah that's so true like employers put people through all sorts of tests that they would want in their employees or people on their team, right? Like I heard, I forget who it was, but some high up CEO, when he would do like the hiring process, he would take the candidate to breakfast and tell the restaurant beforehand to purposely um, mess up their breakfast order. So he would see how they would react. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so cool that like, you were just doing something that's authentically you and he liked it and it paid off in the long run. Like, that's really cool. And the set and like kind of going off that before I get into the second question, um, what, like, cause obviously you're, you know, you're successful with what you do. I mean, I'm sure you're probably not where you want to be, but you're at least on the right path. Um, and there's a lot of things that business teaches you that unless you're in business, you naturally wouldn't know. Um, and kind of like to your whole point, the what you said about breakfast made me think of it. But I was listening to a podcast where one of the brothers that started Super Coffee was on. And he was basically saying that when he had he had their first employee or their first intern, whoever it was, like reached out and was like, I want to work for this brand. I see potential in it. Um, and he was just like saying, like, I, 
I, we've never done an interview. Like, I don't know what to do. And they're pretty big in the fitness. So he told this kid, he's like, all right, cool. We're going to run four miles in the woods tomorrow. Join us. And he said, he goes, okay, if this dude actually runs with me, we're going to hire him. Cause who the fuck is going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to yeah. run four miles in like what in the woods where there's ups and downs. And he said, the kid ran it with him, didn't complain once and didn't say like, fuck that. This is stupid. Nothing. And they're just like, okay, you're hired. And now like the kid is still with super coffee and stuff like that. So um, before I get into my next question, even though a question is <laughs> popping up left and right here, uh, what is your thought since you have experience in real estate, kind of like in, a, in an advice manner to people that get rejected or people that um, they the first time they hear no, they're like, oh, fuck, I got to go do something else versus being like, no, I'm going to figure out a fucking way to get this. So uh, whatever I got to do, like in terms of like a mindset, I don't know. Yeah, if I no, I hear you. Um that is probably one of the biggest lessons like in my life I've that I've ever learned that I struggled with when I was young because making mistakes is mm -hmm. I was terrified of them. I don't know if you were, you know, you don't really strike me as the person that's scared of making a mistake like we were talking about earlier, but um, it, you have to like you have to be okay with it. A true test of your character is like how you rebound to stuff that doesn't go your way, you know? So, I mean, it just, eventually it takes like a lot of discipline and like mental training to be okay with hearing no, or like being disappointed or being rejected and having, turning that into something positive. But, you know, I think I just learned my, throughout the course of my life, it was almost like Darwinism. Like, okay, I keep or I make a mistake or whatever, and I'm really down about it for a week. And then that keeps happening and I keep getting down about it. And it's like, well, let me do something different other than being down and see how that affects my life. And, you know, after, after a while, it's almost like a muscle memory where if something doesn't go your way, you know, you just use it as fuel instead of using it as an excuse to wallow, you know? Without a doubt, for sure. I mean, I, 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 my, my friends all tell me I'm fucking crazy because that's how I like naturally think. But at the in the end, like I, we won't, we won't get into it right away. But like I, I said to my friend yesterday that was on an episode was like, it, it's, it's almost freeing in a way if you realize that nothing actually right. fucking matters, but everything matters. If, if that, yeah. if that, if like, if that makes sense. But, uh, but um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was like the risk thing, because it, to me, just from having convos with you and then obviously seeing this, this stuff you post on uh, social media for your business and stuff, you come across as like a natural risk taker. So to find out you're not, it's a little surprising to me. What What is your thought on, um, you know, taking the risk, taking a risk to do something? And obviously you're scared when you're taking the risk. That's why it's called a risk. But um, it that risk end up being the best thing for you or giving you a launching pad to do something that you actually want to do. And I only ask that because when I moved to Boston, I was hammered and my buddy was like, yo, move to Boston. I'm like, all right, say less. And that's how the, con that's how it went. And then when I went out to Denver, my buddies were that were already out there were just like, dude, move out here. Like we lived together at school. Like it'd be dope. Like, real estate's popping out here, you, you know, you'll be able to make friends easily. And it was, I was actually walking into Vito's backyard because he was having a little pool party at, and as I was walking back in, by the time the phone, like I hit end and I got to Vito's backyard, 
he's like, oh, Johnny, like, whatever. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm moving to Denver. And it was literally like a five-minute conversation, <laughs> and that's how it went. And I was like, fuck it, I'm out, I'm going. And I would say from, like, those experiences, there is a lot that I've learned about myself and a lot of hard lessons that I've learned along the way that I don't think if I initially took that risk and was like, fuck it, let's go, I wouldn't have been able to grow as a person and I'd still be stuck in the same old like thought process. So like, what is your whole thought on like, you almost in a way need to take a risk because if you don't, it could end up like holding you back. And I don't know if that's kind of, if I said that right, but I know you understand what Um, I'm getting at. It's funny because, okay, if you think about like who you are as a person and where you are now, it's just a big accumulation of like the choices that you've made and the experiences that you've had. So I always, I actually do this exercise sometimes. Like if I have a really good sale or, you know, I beat my record in price and I'm like, I think about the sale or the listing and I'm like, okay, where did this come from? Like, how did I get this? And you like really trace back every move you made to get that. It's usually like some sort of risky thing. And like you said, um, my posts on social media, it's not exactly like a comfortable thing to do. Do I think I look like a fucking idiot? Yeah. Do I watch them again? No, I think, you know, I cringe at everything I post, but when you trace back like successes you've had, a lot of mine come from those posts on social media, or they come from like having the balls to ask, to call up somebody random that I like met at Soho, you know, who owns their own insurance company or like accounting firm and who is much older than me and much smarter than me and ask them if they know anybody looking to buy or sell their house. Like those things are super uncomfortable and they're risky because you're like risking getting embarrassed or you're, you're even making a move to Boston on a bigger scale. But like every good thing that comes to you, if you trace it back, it's like a result of taking a little risk. Like for example, the alternative is just doing nothing and laying on your couch watching Netflix all day. You know, none of your successes are going to be traced back mm-hmm. to that moment in time. They're all going to be traced back to you taking action. So like whether that's, I guess that's where risks come in because like a lot of times those actions are risky and you're risking getting embarrassed or you're risking like moving and no, knowing nobody. So I think that, I mean, the more, to an extent, the more risks and I guess actions you take, the better because good things just come from that. And it's just like an inertia, you know? Yeah. And I'm always, I'm always fascinated by that because I remember when um, like the whole, whole, like with six, like how six got involved with Denver was I was in Myrtle beach with uh, my grandparents because we do, we try to do like one like family trip every, every year. And I posted on my story, like the sunset or whatever. And he DM'd me and he was like, dude, you literally don't work. All you do is just fucking travel. And, but at the same time though, like, I, anytime I would get a commission, my mom was always just like, save that money. Like, don't spend it. Kind of like we're now, I mean, I posted on my story today. I don't know if you saw it, but like Elvin Kamara, the Saints running back, he was talking about how he hasn't touched a penny of his salary and he only lives off his, uh, his endorsements. And I know like Rob Gronkowski mm-hmm. does the same thing. Like a lot of people do. So that's why, like, I've always had the extra money to travel. And I said to six, I'm like, don't hate me, but I'm moving to Denver in a couple of months. And he was like, 
he called me and he's like, dude, I've always wanted to go there. He said, can I come with you? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, let's go. And then as it was getting closer, he was like, ah, dude, I don't know, man. Like, and I'm like, I kind of, I didn't talk him into it because he was already there. I think he just needed the, the sign off, you know? And I, I, he was just like, dude, I, I don't know. And then he even said, once we were there, he's like, this is the biggest jump I've ever made in my life. Like moving away, not knowing anyone. Cause he's like, yeah. when I went to Charlotte, I had family there. And then I actually saw him. I saw the house you sold him, which by the um, way, that's a great house. Um, and I was over there. I was over there last week or so and we were talking about Denver and he brought up how like, he's so glad that um, he made the jump because he'll forever remember that experience. And, you know, neither of us had jobs really when we were out there. So he was just like, when I look back, I got to snowboard at some of the best mountains they have in the world. And that's all I did. He's like, I just hiked and snowboard and I had a three months vacation. And he's like, I learned so much about myself that if I hadn't just went i probably would totally you gotta switch it up and mix it up to you know like refreshing your thoughts (laughs) that's so true good for you guys i'm really Mm -hmm. impressed by it yeah so i yeah and i'm always just curious like what people think because i feel as though and i'm not applying it to you or anyone that i know but like i just feel that with like social media you know people talk a big game but then when it's time to go all in people are like ah yeah yeah, no not for me (laughs) so i'm always like curious to know what people think but um you know going back to you know real estate and you and stuff like that so you ended up getting in you know you said how you got into real estate was obviously there's times where you have doubt because of 100 commission but um once you decided like you know what i'm gonna make this happen after the leasing agent thing didn't work out um did you still have doubts or were you just like no nah, fuck that like i'm just gonna manage the doubt and i'm gonna still make this that's happen. a good question yeah i mean i i would say every day i still have doubts but like i said you kind of just have to train um, some muscle in your brain to quiet them or use them to be something productive because yeah, it is definitely unstable. Like just like the restaurant industry, the highs are high and the lows are very low. You know, it's not a steady thing um, living like that, but it just, it, it gets better with time. Obviously, you know, with any sales job, as you build your book, you know, it gets more and more stable, but you know, you just have to learn how to manage living like that, where you don't have a steady week to week paycheck. And, um, I, yeah, I still have doubts all the time. Like everybody does, but, um, it, it really paid off and I'm happy to have a job that keeps me like on my toes, you know? Oh, absolutely. And kind of like before we move on, kind of go back to what you're saying about how like you cringe when you post. I was looking at your Instagram the other day and I saw like some of the TikToks or like the the selfie videos you do to promote yourself. And I was just like, you know, there's a lot of things that I say fuck it to and I'll do even though I don't want to. But putting myself on camera like that, I I still have not gotten to do that. So I applaud you for that. Yeah, because I think the same way. I'm just like, this is so fucking cringe. I'm like, but it's the name of the game and you have to. And I'm just like, well, I'm gonna figure out that's, that's going to be the last, last resort for me in terms of marketing. Like I'm going to make sure I do everything else first. Cause I'm just, 
I'm a people yeah. person, but I'm very uncomfortable with the camera. Yeah, it's interesting like, it's that you're very good and fluid on podcasting, but once the camera is, it like taps into a whole different part of the psyche, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's even if I'm out with friends and like they like take a snap of me, I, I literally will watch the phone. I'm like, yo, get that fucking camera off me. It's it's weird. I don't. I just it makes me super uncomfortable, and I get like crippling anxiety. That's so like, I don't funny. Want to be um, that off me. That's interesting. Well, I mean, it's great that you're at least aware of that, and you're channeling it into this. You know. Yeah. A hundred percent, and that's like kind of how this came about. Because I was just like, I don't want to do YouTube. I don't want to do TikTok. I don't want to do Instagram. I'm like, wait a second. I'll just make a podcast. Yeah, I can use my voice. That'll be easier. But, um, so like obviously real estate sales. So do you think, you know, with school, cause this is like a, like I at least have never experienced that or talked to even buddies that are in finance and stuff like that. Do you think that school, whether it's high school or it should be college, do you think that they should, um, be teaching sales or have a more emphasis on sales? And I know, sales is not something that is like potentially like a certain aspect of it. Like I think that a certain aspect of sales you can't teach mm -hmm. because it comes down to charisma and like personality and, and some people <laughs> like no offense, just don't fucking have that. So, but like, but like, um, from the business side of it, at least, do you think that there should be more emphasis on like, Hey, like, if you're not good in school, but you're a people person, maybe you should get into sales. And like, these are the avenues that sales can well, take you or like, what is your thought? I don't know how logistically that would work in schools, but here's my thought on that. Um, I really, I really think that in most cases, when employers are looking through resumes, um, they look at college as as like a congrats, you've done something hard or moderately hard, you know, or you've done, you completed a bachelor's degree, which is something that took time, effort and money. Um, I really just wish that there were other things that were like equally as hard as college that could be put on a resume and hold the same weight, you know, because there's a ton of other, yeah, there's a ton of other shit that's I agree. so much harder than college, in my opinion, that people go through in life that are that create them as a person and create character that is so like important for being an employee somewhere and like none of that stuff you can't put that on a resume you can't put like my dad died when i was three so i had to be the man of the house and i'm the most responsible fucking human on earth like that doesn't go on a resume so i think um i think that you know like that's something like we were talking about earlier with the breakfast and the running, like that's something that employees, employers figure out hopefully throughout the interview process. But basically I think all college says is like, congrats, you put time and effort into doing this. It was something kind of hard. If you have like, you know, the discipline to go to, to complete college, then you'll probably be pretty decent at this job. But I think that there are other life events and not necessarily a parent dying, but just other shit that's way mm -hmm. harder that would really speak to how people would be on, you know, a real estate team or as an employee that don't go on resumes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And like, that's kind of like where, you know, I wanted to bring it up because I've applied for like nine to five jobs that are sales positions. 
um, just just to have an income. And I'll put like, so the place I worked for in Boston, it was a luxury firm. And then, uh, and then I was also doing rentals in the city as well. And like, I'll put all those things on like my resume. And then obviously I'll put on there, well, I won't put it on the resume, but I'll attach it to the resume, like homes I've sold and like how the negotiations went. And like, if there was a problem, how we got it to closing and all that stuff. And it's, and it's almost like mind boggling that like the, whoever is hiring me, is just like, well, you don't have relevant experience. And I'm like, the fuck you mean I don't have relevant experience? Like, like, like that makes no sense to me. And it's like, to your point about like, like you said, like obviously a parent dying and whatnot, but um, my mom had me at 17 and she had to raise me completely on her, her own. Cause I've never, like my dad's never been in my life or anything like that. And she was telling me the same thing that it's just like, in her eyes, someone that can manage and be successful with that, like she did, that carries more weight than for someone that sure. just graduated with a for 4.0. Sure. A thousand percent. And that's, I didn't even know I was kind of like describing you when I, when I gave that example, but it makes a lot of sense, you know? Um, but yeah, you just totally. said something about how like employees will write people or employers will write people off because they don't have um, like relevant experience experience on their resumes. And it's funny because that kind of ties into what we were talking about with risk. Mm -hmm. Like they are playing it safe by doing that instead of going with their gut feeling with somebody who they think could be really good and taking a risk, even though they don't have the line that says like two years experience or whatever it is, you know? So they could be missing out. If I think if people mm -hmm. are, close-minded like that and just go with the status quo, which is like X years of experience. You know, a lot of times those, a lot of times it sucks and it's better to like get a good person and like raise them from scratch in the industry. Do you know what I mean? Than getting somebody who's been around the block and is just jumping from job to yeah, job no. just because of that one line on their resume. A hundred percent. And it's, and I actually, now I want to ask you, I wasn't going to bring this up, but now I do want to ask it. Um, Cause I get told from friends all the time, they're like, you're out of your fucking mind. And like, anytime that we try to talk about things, they're just like, well, let's just end the conversation. Cause you have just completely polar opposite views than I do. And it's not, it's not, it's not a topic I even care to discuss anymore with you. But the, in, you know, what leads into that is like, my mom's always put it in me and told me like, don't be so attracted to the salary. Don't be so attracted to what you could be making. Don't be attracted to any of that shit. And she was saying how, in her opinion, she feels as though that people take less, like millennials and stuff, take less risk nowadays because they're so focused on that job security and stacking the resume that they almost in a way never end up building a life resume. And she was saying that like a life resume holds more weight because when you do all these different type of things and you have all these different type of experiences, you become more well-rounded. And then when a big opportunity comes, you're not solely relying on your resume. And obviously I might've said that in a way that isn't tasteful, but like, yeah, you, you understand don't... what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. I mean, does it offend your friends that are like quote unquote resume stacking? Is that what's so offensive? Uh, no, I don't think it's a, they don't, they get offended. I just think that like for a lot of people our age, um, and I'd like you to comment on this if you have anything to say, is that there we're so conditioned to think that way, whether it be from school, society, and like 
the how our parents grew up well not my mom but like the older parents that are in their 50s and 60s how they grew up that it's just like as a kid mm-hmm. you're always listening to your elders and people above you so always hearing those things and then you have someone else comes along like me you or other people that are like yo fuck all that shit like the money will come to figure out what you want to do and totally. that you're going to actually work hard for that could make you happy. Um, we get, we get kind of like, and I said, I wasn't going to bring it up, but whatever. Um, the builder I was on the phone with before I called you for a client that I have that is um, they need to find a ranch mm-hmm. and you know how hard ranches are. So we're talking about potentially building and we kind of got off topic and he was telling me, he's like, listen, man, he's like, you're on the right path. He's like, everything that we just discussed I was told I'm idiotic for when I was younger, but now, you know, looking back at the age of 57, I should have stayed on that path. So like, what is your, I, I know I just went all over the place, but what, um, what your, yeah. your thoughts and comments If you, on that? like, you have to almost, in my opinion, and you're right, this is certainly one way to live, but I think that sometimes the most successful people just really look at money as like a byproduct of doing the thing they love and like using their skills to like work a room and build rapport and stuff like that. Because if you're so focused on the money all the time, like it's just transparent and you're not really focused on like truly doing what you love and being good at something and like helping people. Cause that shit radiates, you know, when you're truly like in your thing, in your element and you just kind of let money go Mm -hmm. as, a byproduct you see all the time in real estate, like agents who are so scared and focused on like potentially losing a deal because that means they lose a paycheck. And I don't know. I just feel like clients feel that, you know, if they're pushy or whatever, and it just, it is counterproductive to getting money. It literally is because you just turn people off, you know, cause you're just not being trustworthy. You're not being yourself. You're just kind of looking at the money, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Cause I think the best advice I ever got from the guy in Boston was it's focus on the relationship over the transaction. And I never knew what that meant until recently. Like I, I was, I never questioned about it, but then I'm like, I still, I don't know what the fuck that guy's talking about. And then I realized like, Oh, rather than just closing on, a house if i focus on the relationship over the commission check they might have kids one day they'll use their kids will use me to sell and then like aunts uncles grandparents whatever so now i'm in the family and i just built a relationship versus like just taking them for a ride for totally totally and it's funny that you say that because i just had a conversation with somebody um today, like a past client of mine who is going to buy another house, but he's going to do it off market. This lady wants to sell it to him. I wasn't involved in it at all. Um, And he just asked me, he's like, I know you're not going to make anything from this. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. What questions do you have? I would love to help you. You are such a smart, great guy. And whatever I can do to help you get another house and make this city that much better, I will do. And I did. And I talked to him all morning about, you know, doing this, doing this deal that I don't benefit from. And that not to like gas myself up, but that probably leaves a fucking great taste in his mouth. It leaves a great taste in my mouth. Obviously, I want to get paid, but like 
if I'm his, like you just said, if I'm his family's realtor because he trusts me and fucks with me, then I will get paid and I'm not worried about it right now, you know? Absolutely. Cause uh, that was the other thing is that like he was saying to me, uh, the guy in Boston that's going to remain nameless is like, he was like, every person is good for another five to 10 deals yeah. minimum. So that's why you focus on the relationship versus just a, Hey, yeah. I'm yeah, going to use you so I can get a commission. That's exactly it. But now, you know, so, you know, kind of getting back into like the whole real estate aspect of it, you certainly don't need a college degree to be successful in real estate. So do you think that um, they should be teaching more about real estate in college or not in college, but just like in schools in general? Do you think there should be, you know, more education on the different avenues of real estate? Because I know, you know, as well as I do that, not that it's about becoming a millionaire and become super rich, but like the industry of itself, real estate, which there's so many avenues, there's wholesaling, there's investing, there's flipping, there's whatever. Do you think that there should be a more emphasis on? Well, of course I do. It would make like my job, your job, everybody's job that much easier if we were dealing with people that were educated on the subject, but then it kind of contradicts what we were talking about before where we were more or less like college doesn't really matter. But unfortunately, there doesn't need to be more education because the threshold, as you know, is so low to get into real estate that it's pretty diluted with um, people Mm -hmm. who may or may not be, you know, elite or really knowledgeable about what they're doing. So I think obviously the more people have education and have experience when they're in the industry, the better it is for the community and the better it is for the people that they're doing deals with and the people that they're servicing, you know? So, I mean, as far as school goes for starters, they should teach you what a fucking mortgage is because I didn't know until I was like 20. I had no idea. I I really didn't know. And I can't believe that I went through high school not knowing how people buy houses. You know, that's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And I like I kind of get mad at myself because I'm like, fuck, dude, I, I was an idiot. But like it's the a lot of the first time home buyers that I work with are like, oh, I didn't know I needed this much money down. I didn't know my credit needed to be this. I didn't know I needed to pay down this credit card. I didn't know I needed to pay down this loan. And it's just like, I get so annoyed because I'm just like, yeah, well, if they just had a basic life fucking yeah. math class in high school that was mandatory for people to take, not, and I mean, it's it's obviously like, it's one of those like catch the right. things where it's just like, yeah, even if you <laughs> did teach it, you probably wouldn't have paid attention. Pro- true, because like your mind isn't, your mind is like, I, like when you're younger, especially going to college, like, yeah. all you're thinking about is like, yeah. am I attractive? Who am I hooking up with? <laughs> and I'm going to, and, and I'm going to get absolutely blackout. So, but, but it just, it annoys me because it's just like, there's such basic things, but like, they, there's just no information on it in the school system to help people. So, um, have you, uh, one thing that I've experienced that kind of drives me crazy is that like from working nine to five jobs that were sales is that you may have a good idea, not saying my ideas are good, because I think all my ideas are shit until it becomes good. But um, I've experienced a lot of like sales managers where I'm like, yo, I think like with this type of client, we could do this. And they're like, well, that's not how we do it here. 
Um, and obviously, you know, from, you know, running your own business, there's a lot of things you had to do outside the box that have made you successful. So do you think that um, people that are outside the box thinking, they sometimes have better ideas than what the establishment is? Or do you think that that is just if you have ideas that don't fit what what the company is specifically, then yeah. maybe you need to look at um, a different company? Well, I don't know if I, I think if that properly, but whoever's higher up at a company isn't at least considering and listening to others' ideas, then that's probably kind of a toxic environment to begin with, you know, and like a bad culture. Um, I think, I think any smart, you know, CEO or like team leader or whatever will obviously listen to other people and like actually listen, not just like let them talk and hang up and like don't take their words into consideration. But yeah, I think, oh my God, it's so refreshing to have like collaboration, you know, and have different ideas come in because obviously we know like nobody, nobody's good at everything. Nobody thinks everything out in a perfect manner. You know, it's essential to have collaboration um, and people thinking in different ways. Um, but, you know, as far as it goes for me, I, I think I don't really think outside of the box that much. That's not really my shtick. I'm kind of more just, um, like you kind of said earlier, I just have a knack for like opportunity, you know, and sniffing it out and just like consistently showing up. Like, like we were talking about earlier with, yeah. um, you are what your actions are, you know, say yes. If somebody asks you to work an open house, just do it. Action is everything. Even the smallest action, even like not hitting snooze one time in the morning, you know, like I remember just, it doesn't, I guess mm -hmm. it doesn't really take thinking outside of the box to just like show up and do stuff. You know what I mean? Like I remember one open house. I worked for an agent when I was at Keller Williams, I worked mm -hmm. it for her and I ended up getting the buyer of that open house and consequently three deals after that from referrals. And I'm only like two and a half, three years in real estate. So like already getting three deals from a client is a lot, you know, cause they come years later, but it's just, you gotta just say yes to things, you know, just be consistent and just show up, you know, <laughs> has, has there been, um, have you had a, have you had anything, whether that be in real estate or just like life in general, where like in the moment you said yes, and you're like, yeah, I'll do this. And then oh my God, totally. something all came the time that, that you were not expecting all the at all time. whatsoever. It just, it happens all the time. Like, I mean, open houses, I guess you kind of expect like that's realtor 101, you know, you expect business from that, but like, yeah, just being in the right place at the right time and uh -huh. saying yes. I mean, obviously it's good to say no and set boundaries to certain things, but you never know. And you never know who you're talking to at the, who's behind you in line at the coffee shop. Just be good all the time. Be a good person all the time because you never know, you know, <laughs> has it happened to you? Like where you're just, yeah. Uh, no. Yes. It, it actually happens so much that like, I, 
I remember when I mm-hmm. sent you uh, like the picture of my whiteboard for like to schedule this. I remember yeah. you were just like, I like what you wrote on your whiteboard about like the three the three goals I have for this year, which I'm not gonna say. And then I have in big ass letters mm-hmm. in my dorky ass handwriting, I wrote uh, take more risk and say yes more. And then I put like dot 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 longevity. But the only reason um, I believe in that so much is because. I got so like when I moved to Boston, the I think it was maybe like the second second or third week after we moved into our apartment, um, I had a friend from Mercyhurst that I stayed in touch with. Like there was no like I didn't stay f- being friends with her because I'm like oh I'm gonna get something out of her. Like I just was like all right I think she's a cool ass person so I'm gonna stay stay in touch with her and you know keep maintain a relationship. Aww. And she ended up going to Duke Med School. And when she came back one weekend, when she came back one weekend to Mercyhurst, this is before I moved to Boston, but I'm going to tie it into Boston in a second. She was like, yeah, she was like, you know, you and another friend um, should come down to Duke, visit me at Duke. We can go to a (laughs) basketball game. And I'm like, do we got to pay for the tickets? Because I fucking hate Duke. I said, so I'm not really like, I'm like, not to be a dick, but like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, that would be like me going to pay for a fucking Patriots or Dolphins game. Like, uh, yeah, like, unless the Bills, like, unless the Bills are playing, like, no, go fuck yourself. So um, she was like, no, she's like, we could sit in the student section. And I'm like, like, Cameron crazy student section. And she's like, yeah, I'm like, all right, say less. You got me at that. And we didn't have to pay for the tickets because two of her friends, you know, weren't going. So we just used their tickets and it didn't matter. And I remember we were sitting front row right behind underneath one of the baskets, like damn near right on the floor. Coach K and Duke's bench is maybe like 10 feet, if that, from us. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, holy fuck, like this is a bucket list experience. Like you can't buy these tickets. And it's like it, it came just from staying friends with this person and then tying it into Boston we were at the we're back at her apartment pregame and to go out um and like the other thing is that friday night before the game we went out at chapel hill because north carolina is like right down the road from duke so and i never i never went to unc and i never got to experience it so it was cool because like that friday night i got to experience north carolina saturday was the game and then right before we're about to go out my boy mark who was my roommate in boston he called me he's like dude what do you got what time do you land back in boston i'm like i'll be back at 10 he goes perfect we're going to the afc championship game tomorrow jags versus the past i'm like no i'm not and she he's like he's like yeah he's just like uh he's like jim who's his mom's boyfriend he's just like jim has uh seasons and he can't go and none of his kids can go so he gave me the tickets and they're free tickets and i'm like well all right grab my bruce smith jersey because i'm not going to that game unless i'm wearing a bills jersey which but like it was to like you know not trying to get a get a long-winded here but to your point though it was just like just from being friends with those two people and then remaining you know keeping an authentic and genuine relationship I was able to go to a Duke basketball game sit front row on the court damn near and then literally the following day as soon as I landed in Boston we went to the AFC championship game Pat's Shags and then we were right there in that end zone where Tom Brady threw uh, Amendola, the game-winning touchdown, and I didn't pay for those tickets either. So it was like I just got two bucket list experiences, didn't pay a dime, but it just solely stemmed yes. and manifested out of me keeping a genuine relationship with these people. So yeah, like I always draw back quite to that. The weekend. With like a, say yes <laughs> I'm so impressed with that, but that's so true. That's such an example of that. And like it, my friends and I always say that whenever we – go out or go do something, it always ends up like, it ends up extra just because of 
who like the people that we have relationships with. You know what I mean? It's never just a normal adventure. It always just goes like to the extra level because, you know, if you just nurture and maintain relationships with people, it's so weird where you end up finding yourself, you know? Absolutely. And mm -hmm. um, well, going off that, kind of getting back into real estate before we like wrap it up here. Um, have you found... Have you found anything? Because obviously, like, you have to be really sure. good with money and you have to really manage your money because you don't know when the next check is coming in. And then obviously, you could get yeah. all the way to the day of closing and find out mm -hmm. maybe there's a tax lien on the property or like they didn't have the right amount of funds or they were jackasses mm -hmm. and decided to buy a fucking boat with their credit card and now they can't close. So, has being a businesswoman and obviously you're successful with it, has that <laughs> taught you? lessons on money and personal yeah finance that, oh my god yeah um and you were never put on it's to. all by experience you know <laughs> you know um especially coming from somebody with a mm -hmm. admitted shopping problem <laughs> um yeah oh my god i've had to learn as i <laughs> as i went and i mean the heart one of the hardest parts is saving the first two years, I didn't um, do my taxes quarterly. So I being like an independent contractor and then having to drop the tax bomb, you just have, it's a different mentality you have to have, you know, you just have to prepare for that no matter how much you're like, okay, my taxes are going to be, you know, 25 grand, mm -hmm. you know, you still like every time you go and look at your finances, you have to remind yourself that and it's just, it's a different mentality. And yeah, there were a lot of lessons. And I think um, one of the biggest lessons is actually, it's not like, you don't need shit. <laughs> I'm still learning this. I don't need, I don't need three pairs of Louboutins. I really don't, you know, like you don't, you don't need this extra material stuff unless you do. And it's like a really a passion of yours, but it's more about like what you're pulling out of your bank account as opposed to what you're putting in, you know, people live with way less than us and they live and they're happy. So like it's just spending money on material stuff, I think is probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned that it just, it doesn't really bring about good things. In most cases, you know. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Because that's how it got to a point where like I was traveling so much that I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just wasting money. Like every place is it, it's, it was right. getting to a point where it was like, OK, every place right. is the same. Every place has bars. Every place has this. Like, what am I really fucking doing with my money? Um, now, two more questions on real estate for you. Um, if you had someone come up to you and were like, Hey, uh, Zana, I'm, I want to get into real estate. What, what are the pros and cons? For it? Um, what advice would you have for hmm. me, for me to be successful? What would you say? I would, I would, well, if they're in this area, I think a common misconception is, um, people get into real estate because it's so hot, quote unquote, it's so hot. So like Yes, the market's hot because there is virtually no inventory for the yes. amount of buyers. So therefore, less deals. 
you know, so yeah, prices are up, but um, the amount of deals are scarce and people get into real estate and think like, oh, it's so hot. You make so much money. No, you don't make money for the first year. You know, it's, and I mean, you do, you'll make some money, but it's not, you should have a side gig lined up like bartending or working in a restaurant or whatever, because, you know, a lot of times people, it's like a certain personality type. They bounce around with a bunch of things. They don't like anything. They're never satisfied. They're like, oh, I should go into real estate. And it's like, that's the last type of person that would be successful in real estate. You know, like they're not really motivated to sell (laughs) houses to people and to help people and to help the community. They're just fucking bopping around mindlessly and stumble upon real estate. And it's really a shame because there are a lot of people like that and like, yeah, they'll get a few pity sales from their dad or their, you know, cousin or whatever. And that's taking away from people that actually like do a good job and are passionate about helping people and helping the greater community, you know? So I guess my advice would be like, just don't do it because you're bopping around jobs. Just be passionate about it. Know that it's, it takes a little to build up your book and to build up money and it's stressful you know, for the first couple of years, unless you have ample savings and a side job, a part-time job. Mm-hmm. And that, well, yeah, to your point too, because like I've had a lot of uh, friends like hit me up in my DMs and be like, <laughs> yo, it looks like you're crushing life. Uh, I want to get into real estate. I'm like, no, literally don't do it. It's the worst fucking job yeah. ever. <laughs> I'm like, and you laugh when I say it's the worst job ever because you know where I'm coming from when I say that. Like, obviously I love it. You love it. But like in yeah. general, like I, I had a friend time, call like, me um, no other the other option. week and she Do was like, she's in Please a sales don't. job currently and <laughs> she was so miserable. She hated calling all the time. Um, and she hated it. And she's like, I'm thinking I should get into real estate. I'm like, oh my God, you hate your sales job. You hate calling all the time. No, no. And she found something great. She's <laughs> a fucking smart girl. She's, you know, she's really talented and a great friend, but I was just like, then real estate's not for you, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I I agree. And I've had, because I've been pumping out these episodes left and right, and I've had people being like, aren't you fucking sick of talking? And I'm like, dude, I, you don't understand. I have to talk every day to people on the phone. I said, so this is also like a way to me to get better with it. But like, exactly. it, no, because if I got sick of talking, I would have to not work the job that I'm currently working. Um, now, if there, um, who, dream <laughs> scenario, who is your, whose house are you listing? It could be who who I'll say famous because it's being like oh it's not famous <laughs> that, that takes away the 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 appeal to the question. But if you could sell, if you could that sell is a fucking funny house, question that I have house, honestly I have never thought of this in my life. Um, but I mean immediately my mind goes to the USA women's soccer team because, <laughs> because I love them so much. I played soccer my whole life and in college, and you know, I love them. I think they're great role models. Um, but, oh, fuck. I mean, 
Yeah, it would. I mean, it would probably be them because they're pushing. I know as a man, I don't know how you're going to feel about this because men get a little touchy about this, but they're pushing for equal pay to the men, AKA what they're worth because they generate more revenue. And I just really fuck with them. They're so fucking good. They're the best in the world. They always, they haven't always been, but they've been for the better part of the two thousands. And so shit, I'll say Alex Morgan's house. How's that? Oh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, and, and what you just said does not offend me or get me fucking feeling any type of way. Anyways, I, I had this conversation with a friend. I understand because I look at things both ways. I look at things from, I don't, I look at things for like what they are. And then I look at it from like the business perspective as well. So obviously if a certain sport is generating more revenue, you're going to get a percentage of that revenue. But if the revenue is smaller than the opposing male, female, whatever it is, there's not as much money to pay the players. However, where I stand with the whole women's soccer thing, the the men's team are a bunch of fucking bums. They don't do anything. They don't win anything. Whereas the girls are winning titles every fucking chance they get. So I think for that, for regardless sure, of the revenue is, yeah. Well, first of right all, they do generate more revenue as of 2016. Right. Second of all, yes, that was the argument prior to then, which I understand. But I just I wish we speaking. could I just like speaking. quantify the morale boost Uh that these women have given the country, like you just said, with all the titles and shit and like the glory basically of like winning the Olympics, winning the world cup, just being good and winning, you know, if that was like quantified, fuck yeah, they'd be rolling in it. But you know, it's not, (laughs) I mean, I guess it is to like specific players, but that's outside of what we're talking about. But yeah, no, no, I, I hear you. Yeah, because I think that there's value in that that people don't that people don't take into consideration a hundred percent. And I, I'm not I don't even want to talk about them, but it's almost like it's and I'm sure people that are listening are probably just rolling their eyes with what I'm about to say. But like I look at like LeBron for an example. Like obviously when you do LeBron versus Jordan, who's the goat? Like Jordan has six rings, six and zero, never lost in the finals. But the the way I look at the conversation is. LeBron came right out of high school as an 18 year old was on the cover of ESPN and dubbed as like, like they literally said on the cover when he was 17, the chosen one, the next great one. And then for him to just go to eight straight finals, four rings, literally like, and not ever like get in trouble with the law, have a blemish, all these things. And then him starting to school and stuff like that. To me, that that is that weighs more in yeah. value than anything sure. than Jordan right. going to six yeah. and winning six. Like, but obviously people have different opinions and all that shit, which is fine. But I just think like from the yes, but I think from the value perspective, like to me, that's where it's just like okay, that carries more weight than something else. And I look at the women yeah. that way. I'm just like, dude, like if the men's team was on, the only people that are watching that are actual yeah. soccer fans. Yeah, totally. Like, That's a really good on, point. Actually really relevant about LeBron about and Jordan. And I completely agree being a LeBron fan too. So it's good. Oh yeah. I think, yeah. And I, I'm going to get a lot of, a lot of uh, shade for this, but I don't even think, 
I, I don't even think it's a discussion. Like, I think it's insane that people look at Jordan and go, he's better yeah. than LeBron. I'm like, yeah. you're maybe based on accolades, but if you're talking pure athleticism and skill, get the fuck out of my face. No <laughs> but um, and if, and if Jordan is That's listening funny. to this, I'd love to have you on the podcast. So uh, hit me up. But, <laughs> but, oh, that's true. But, I mean, yeah, Jordan, true. Did, Jordan did just sign our boy Stefan Diggs, so I will give Jordan some love. But, um um but okay two i didn't know you play soccer so i do have one more question about real estate before i wrap it up here with you what is your thought because i heard and i hate to say gary v but i heard gary v say that to be successful in business business is the fifth major sport and to be successful you have to to he says making it to the league for a sport that mentality that grind that discipline that is the grind and discipline and mindset you need to have to be successful in business and not only just to become successful, but to sustain it over a long period of time. So being an athlete yourself and no. have played in college, um, <laughs> and I know for Donia, it's not like playing at like North Carolina, but you're still an a-, a college athlete at the end of the day. So what is your, what is your thought on like having that mindset? Because I think that from having the experience of playing uh, D1 lacrosse and then going and playing at Mercyhurst, which Mercyhurst is the powerhouse for D2. Yeah. Um, that mindset of like, fucked, I don't want to be running sprints. I don't want to be getting up at 5 a.m. But it's going to get, yeah, get us to totally. Win. I mean, Kinda like, like correlating the theme that, that I've been talking like, about in this podcast is like, you are an accumulation of your choices. I think um, for me personally, I don't think I fucking do anything special to, you know, be successful quote unquote I think it's like soccer my whole life the discipline and the hard work and the grind that comes with that and then like bartending and learning how to like meet people and work a room like that those are choices that I made in my life that I didn't even know would benefit me later on in business but like I do credit a lot of a lot of like the hustle and the grind to that and the um the lesson that took me probably 21 years to learn, which was don't be afraid to make mistakes because honestly, my biggest um, holdback in soccer, it wasn't like physically, I was always like one of the most fit, one of the most technical, but during games, I was so scared to make mistakes that it would just hold me back. You know, like I could have, like now I try not to let it bother me, but during games when people are watching making a mistake to me was one of the most like terrifying things so I always just played everything safe you know and that's one of my biggest regrets and one of the things I would tell myself if I could go back but you know it set me up for being an adult and like having learned that the hard way and to be okay with making mistakes in business and in you know personal life and life in general so I think um I think Gary Vee's on to something, you know? Yeah, and uh, I completely agree because I used to, like, think, even though I've, anyone that has ever played with me will laugh because I make fucking mistakes all the time, but, like, an in-game situation. Same, and I didn't make many stupid. mistakes I because I was so terrified, I looked at too, too like but think life. of all the, like, goals and assists I probably missed out on and great plays I probably missed out on because I was terrified to make mistakes, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's like, uh, I remember when I was at Hobart, I would always throw like no look passes. And sometimes they would hit and they would be a great play. Other times, like uh, the coach, like it got to a point where it was never consistent enough. It was always like, 
okay, that was a hell of a play, good job, where what the fuck are you doing? It was like, it was on one end of the spectrum, and it got to a point where uh, Coach Raymond was like, stop practice. Like He's like, John, if you throw another fucking skip pass, you are off this team. Stop fucking throwing them. Just move the ball. What does that mean? But, like, like, I would magic? Never, like, like, you're looking one way, and you but in, like, practice, throw it like, the other way? This is the time to try it. But, um, um, no, so... No, so and yeah. like it's it's exactly what it is. Like no look. So like if you say if you're in a triangle, like for soccer, say if you're in a triangle and you know there's a girl to your right, to your left, you're looking at to the girl, you're looking at the girl to your right, and you your body language and everything goes to show that you're about to pass that. Yeah, so magic, the defender right? maybe moves closer towards her, but you kick it across your body to the girl on the left. Because you know the well, you yeah, know, that too. Oh, I mean, basically I, I, the same I, I, thing. I, yeah, yeah, I got you. Magic. I, think I got like you. some voodoo shit. <laughs> so maybe that's <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, like Pat Mahomes. Like he throws be that accurate. Oh my god! I, I don't understand how he does it because the NFL is yeah, he does it all the time. Yes, yeah, he does it all the time. But um, well, you said your younger self. So this leads into the next question was. Um, if you could, if you could meet your younger self, the oldest you are is 18 years old, but you could be younger. Um, and you were to talk to yourself about all, like all the experiences you've had in life, the ups and downs. What a good question. I think I'm just going to give two things really quick because I'm going to give like a business one, which would be the mistake one. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Like whether it's business or soccer or school or whatever, um, don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's the one. And then the second one is a little sappy, but I think it's just, you know, at the end of the day, actually it ties into a theme of this podcast. At the end of the day, it's just about relationships you have with people. Like it, no fight or grudge or whatever with a parent or a friend is ever worth it. You know, it's like when you're dying, you're at your deathbed. It's just about who's next to you holding your hand. You know what I mean? So like nurture relationships and the rest just comes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what I would tell you. Anna. Yep. All right. I, I, no, I like that's it, I like it for it. me. So, um, um, I really enjoyed listening else? to or your that, stories. You? Um, you're a really interesting guy, and I'm really impressed that you're out here slinging these podcasts. And I also loved what you said about, um, I think it was Post Malone and Migos about <laughs> like Bad and Bougie. They thought it was a bad song, which it kind of actually is, but it's so funny that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's catchy. Well, yeah, and this kind of ties into the whole like the how the whole podcast started, and it's like I wasn't, I didn't say it when I asked you that question about business, but I heard Kobe Bryant on um, Jay Shetty's. Po it was either Jay Shetty's podcast or it was Lewis Howes. By, but regardless, I've heard him talk about it before. But Kobe was saying how there's a process to everything. And if you can, like, if you understand what it, he said, he was telling, I mean, obviously RIP Kobe and RIP Gianna, but he was telling her with basketball and like his girls in general, he was saying that if you know what excellence looks like in sports and you're an athlete, you know what excellence looks like in a boardroom or business or whatever, because like how you were saying, like, I didn't know that working the room is a skill, just like how 
shooting a three-pointer might be a skill or making a soccer play might be a skill, like something like that. So, and then on top of it, um, I would always watch like documentaries or interviews with, you know, how people got started and like the origins of stories. And it's just like, like Conor McGregor was once in debt and was like laughed at by everyone in his town. And he was just like, I'm going all in on fighting. And then like, uh, like I was texting you earlier, like Post Malone said he made circles super fucked up one night, thought it was a trash song, but his boys were like, dude, just drop it. And then like, well, he even like with White Iverson, he made White Iverson, put it up on Twitter thinking thinking it was garbage and he said the next day like mac miller Wiz, like all these people are hitting him and he just blew up overnight but and that's kind of like the podcast like i think like everyone has unique experience in life and i think everyone has um an origin story that has got them to where they are today um and has like you know in a way shifted their perspective and mindset and stuff like that and i me personally i fucking hate social media and so like i think that if there was Mm -hmm. more of that on social media and less of like the finished products and the clout that's all out there i just think that people would be more at ease with like what they want to do with their lives so and then i'm like obviously i'm interested people are interesting to me i like i think i'm fascinated why people do what they do and like why they think so that's (laughs) that is good i love that and you're doing a great job it was a real pleasure to talk to you (laughs) thank you so I appreciate you coming on and doing this. I greatly appreciate it because I know you are no problem. So I'll be back an anytime, John. Like Just let me know. Like taking a whole day. So thank uh, you. <laughs> all right. Bye bye.